Section 9 of the History of Lady Julia Manville. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Lady Julia Manville by Francis Brooke. Section 9. Epistle George. To George Mordaunt, Esquire. Wednesday, 5 in the morning. Great heaven, what a night I have passed. All other fears give way before that of displeasing her. Yes, let me be wretched but let her not suppose me unworthy let her not see me in the light of a man who barters the sentiments of his soul for sordid views of avarice and ambition and using means appropriated to the baseness of his end forges a falsehood to excuse his attendance on her seduces an heiress to give him clandestine assignations and in a place guarded doubly guarded at this time by the sacred and inviolable laws of hospitality from such unworthy purposes i will clear my conduct though at the hazard of exposing her whose love for me deserves a different treatment let her be the victim of that indiscretion by which she has ruined me and can i be thus base can i betray the believing unsuspecting heart my mind is distracted but why do i say betray i know lady anne's greatness of mind as for lady julia yes the secret will be as safe with them as in my own bosom shall i own all my folly i cannot though she shall never know my passion for herself support one moment the idea of lady julia's imagining i love another i will go to lady anne as soon as she is up and beg her to convince her lovely friend my meeting this lady was accidental i will not if i can avoid it say more i cannot see her before this explanation i will ride out and breakfast with some friend i will not return till they are gone back to their apartments that i may see lady anne alone twelve o'clock lady anne has probed me to the quick i have trusted her without reserve as to this affair i have begged her to vindicate me to lady julia who is walking in the garden with some ladies of the neighbourhood we are going to follow them i am to take the ladies aside whilst lady anne pleads my cause she calls me farewell twelve at night she forgives me and i am most happy lady anne has told her all and has had the goodness to introduce me to her as we walked unobserved by the ladies who were with us i have kissed her hand as the seal of my pardon that moment oh madame with what difficulty did i restrain the transport of my soul yes my friend she forgives me a sweet benign serenity reigns in her lovely eyes she approves my conduct she is pleased with the concern assured giving pain to the heart which loves me her cheerfulness is returned and she has restored mine she rules every movement of my heart as she pleases never did i pass so happy a day i am all joy no sad idea can enter i have scarce room even for the tender compassion i owe to her i have made wretched i am going to bed but without the least expectation of sleep joy will now have the same effect as i last night found from a contrary cause adieu h manville epistle colonel to colonel belleville thursday morning i have reconciled the friends the scene was amazingly pathetic and pretty i am only sorry i am too lazy to describe it he kissed her hand without her showing the last symptom of anger she blushed indeed but if i understand blushes in short times are prodigiously changed the strange misses were of infinite use as they broke the continuity of the tender scene if i may be allowed the expression which however entertaining to laser me would have been something sickly to my ladyship if it had lasted and now having united it must be my next work to divide them for seriously i am apt to believe the dear creatures are in immense danger of a kind of partiality for each other which would not be so convenient 
i have some thoughts being naturally sentimental and generous of taking henry myself merely from compassion to lady julia widows you know are in some degree the property of handsome young fellows who have more merit than fortune and there would be something very heroic in devoting myself to save my friend i always told you belleville i was more an antique roman than a briton but i must leave you i hear lady julia coming to fetch me a breakfast a trio in a bower of roses oh heavens the blood begins to thicken lucretia's dagger rosa mondo's bowl harry has had a letter from his charmer both she can't live without him determined to die unless the barbarous man relents this cruel harry will be the death of us all did i tell you we were going to a ball to-night six or seven miles off she has heard it and intends to be there tells him she shall dare expect a sentence of life or death from his lovely eyes the signal is appointed if his savage heart is melted and he pities her sufferings he is to dance with her and be master of her divine person and eighty thousand pounds to-morrow if not but she expires at the idea and entreats him to soften the cruel stroke and not to give a mortal wound to the tenderest of hearts by dancing with another you would die to see harry's distress so anxious for the tender creature's life so incensed at his own wicked attractions so perplexed by how to pronounce the fatal sentence for my part i have had the utmost difficulty to keep my countenance lady julia who was to have been his partner sighing with him over the letter entreating him not to dance pitying the unhappy love-sick maid her fine eyes glistening with a tear of tender sympathy the whole scene is too ridiculous to be conceived and too foolish even to laugh at i could stand it no longer so retired and left them to their soft sorrows you may talk of women but you men are as much the dupes of your own vanity as the weakest amongst us can be heaven and earth that with harry's understanding and knowledge of the world he can be seriously alarmed at such a letter i thought him more learned in the arts of wilful woman labouring for her purpose nor is she the kind of woman i think i know more of the nature of love than to imagine her capable of it if there was no other lover to be had indeed but he is led astray by the dear self-complacency of contemplating the surprising effects of his own charms i see he is shocked at my insensibility and fancies i have the most unfeeling heart but i may live to have my revenge adieu i am going to my toilet now awful beauty puts on all its charms five o'clock the coach is at the door harry is dressed for execution always elegant he is to-day studiously so a certain proof to be sure that his vanity is weaker than his compassion he is however right if she must die he is to be condemned for looking as well as he can to justify passion which is to have such fatal effects he sees i observe his dress and has the grace to blush a little adieu caro votre a wilmont end of section nine recording by ellie september two thousand and nine